Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. If you have a TV, you must have a TV license. It's the law. Inspectors are calling to unlicensed homes and businesses. If you don't, that can mean prosecution and a fine of up to €1,000. Get yours at tvlicense.ie or any post office. Brought to you by the Government of Ireland. Hello everybody, welcome to the Blood and Mud podcast. The podcast that has nothing but respect for all the respectful things that rugby respect demonstrates respectfully with respect. <laughs> I am respectfully Lee. I'm resplendent in a state of endless respect over there is... Um, I'm disrespectfully Josh. Oh, you've ruined it now. Fucking ruined it. Yeah, you want to get in touch a... with how much of a disgrace Josh is for not giving the adequate rugby respect. <laughs> and you can get in touch with him. Uh, at Josh Gardner at Rugby Shirt Watch. And you can get in touch with me at Blood and Mud or Lee at bloodandmud.com. We're on ACAS. We're on wherever podcasts end up being turned out and churned out and stuff like that. You can find us quite yeah, easily. Yeah, pay attention to that anymore. Oh, Who knows where we're available? Nobody's finding us anymore, I don't think. I think Goodness we've got a solid st- st- set of listeners, and I, for one, am happy to stick with it. Yeah, I don't want any more. Why would I want any more? We're in Patreon as well, .com slash Blood and Mud for people who give us a little bit of support. I'd like to welcome people who have decided to give us a little bit more support than they need to in the Ooh. VIP lounge Hello. this week. Um, who is Frank Ridgen, long-time supporter and now in the VIP. Welcome to the club, Frank. DQ has joined us as well. Oh, I like people who just use their initials. I like that, yeah. Sounds like you're, it sounds like you're a young, up-and-coming quarterback from Friday Night Lights. I like it. Exactly, yeah, yeah. My name is DQ Fagan. <laughs> I'm coming after the opposition. What Mets, names? Matt Sanderson. Be DQ. As if they were oh, your yeah. two Christians. Because you get names. JD and JP, don't you? In fact, I think there yeah. is a JD Doyle in Friday Night Lights. Just made me think of it. But uh... yeah, probably. Anyway, no, DQ. that's JP Doyle. Dan Quayle. It's Dan Quayle who's joined up. <laughs> He's welcome. All are welcome here. Even fell presidential candidates. <laughs> Timothy Richards has also joined the VIP. Welcome aboard. Come inside the rope. Get yourself a vodka in line. <laughs> yeah. And long- sorry, Tim, your name's not as eminently no, Sorry, nothing as to as say as about that. 
Longtime yeah. patron yeah. Jamie O'Connell has moved into the VIP, and he says, "I meant to do it after the week you after the week that you lads did the Uruguay tearjerker as an opening, but I had to go to Centre Parks this week. That week." <laughs> I'm not being I mean, funny, so Jamie. You can afford centre parks. You can afford to fucking chuck a bit more coin our way. Well, I'm going to say this is why it's taken him so long. He's having to be, been paying off the fucking huge centre parks debt. He's on kidney dialysis four times a week because <laughs> he had to sell one to go to centre park. <laughs> never been to centre parks. I've never been because I did that thing where I thought, shall we go to the one? And they're in like really shit places like Nottinghamshire and near Carlisle <laughs> and stuff. Places that I'd want to go and places that have a centre parks. The, the Venn diagram <laughs> yes, does not indeed. have a... And then also really fucking expensive. It's like... Yeah, I looked at the price. Sure lovely. I've bar. heard nice things. Eurocamp's the same. I looked at Eurocamp in France. I was like, fucking hell, that's a lot of money. I haven't even bought a flight yet. Christ. <laughs> to stay in what I imagine is a posh version of a caravan site, but it's French. It's got, I don't know, good bread or something. That is the thing that's you know that always kind of puts me off any kind of centre parksy and ex- explorations is you know I've I've been a poor person from the valleys I know exactly what a caravan park is like <laughs> and you and can put all the no, fucking long gonna... cladding round it you want it's still what it is <laughs> yeah well I mean that is a there you go just deconstructed your holiday there we're... Jamie so I'm yeah. sure you had a lovely oh, time maybe. yeah. Yeah, yeah. Please don't ask for your money back. Yeah. <laughs> uh, should we start with a play spotted, as we always do? Uh, we should, yeah, yeah. Definitely. John Fox DMs. He says, I have an old player spotted story. So it's not relevant to the World Cup, but I'm a new follower to the pod. Ah, so there are new people coming Indeed. on. Board. Welcome along, yep. John. Welcome, welcome. And thanks for contributing early. We like it. He says, But I'm a new follower to the pod, and I think it's funny. Do you mean the pod or the story is funny? Great start. I'll both I'm open. Yeah, let's plot on in, in that hope. He says, I'm a lifelong <laughs> Leicester Tigers fan. Right, sorry, I'm not carrying on with this anymore. Um, he says, my favourite player was always Jordan Murphy. Murphy? Murphy. One of my friends has managed Murphy. to get a signed autograph of him when, he was young, when I was younger. So years later, I saw him on the Tube in London. So I went to say a nervous hello, feeling a little bit starstruck just before I got off at the next stop. Imagine the awkward, confused look on Jordan's face. As me, a 25-year-old stranger, says, hello, I have a picture of you on my wall. And then getting off the tube immediately. I was mortified at my awkwardness. I like that. I like that sort of apropos of nothing, just walking up to rugby players, (laughs) saying something inappropriate, walking off. Right, the challenge is going out there to all of you now. (laughs) Do you know what's really horrible today? Like I had an interview today. Josh um, interviewed a bona fide superstar today, but I can't say who it I is. Did. I did. I'm going to fucking say it. I don't care. It's Keith Urban. Um, country country megastar, husband of Nicole Kidman. I interviewed Keith Urban today, and I was taken up to the uh, the penthouse suite in the fancy five-star London hotel in which he was staying this weekend, and the door opened, and there was a bloke on the other side of the door who was sort of in his late sort of 30s, early 40s with, like, floppy hair, tall, quite gangly, a little bit rock and roll. And I was like, he looks a little bit fucking different, but I'm guessing that's him. And then as I sort of go up to him, the PR sort of points, and then round the corner, there's there's Keith with eating a little plate of fruit. And so I very nearly introduced myself to just <laughs> some random fucking dude thinking he was Keith Urban and that he just looked really different from telly. So, yeah. What was it the happened. penthouse like? What was it the happened. penthouse like? 
Oh, very nice. Uh, Were you Royal tempted Garden to piss on the couch before you left? I mean, I'm surprised if he wouldn't. I mean, that's, you've got a rep to maintain in that regard, haven't you? Yeah. I don't imagine Keith Urban's had that rep, has he? No, well, he was a bit of a wild boy of country in his early days. I think since, he? he's, since Nicole, he's quietened down a lot and he just you're writes really better saccharine. You're grading on a curvy, a wild boy of country, aren't you? That <laughs> means you've only got four but guns. I... Yeah, and I think married, happily married to Nicole Kidman as he has been since whatever it is, 2006. He's probably not got a lot to complain about, really. No, I wouldn't have thought so, no. No. So there you go. Thank you for that player spotted, John. You can get in touch with your yes. player spotted uh, as awkward and as mundane as you like at uh, Blood and Mud on the DMs. You can do that on Lee at bloodandmud.com and they'll get through to us. Or if you're a Patreon, you can get in touch on the Patreon messaging service. That's one of the little perks that you get, as well as extra episodes and other things like that. Now, before we get I mean, into the weekend, right? Oh, yeah. The following yeah. was sent in. <laughs> I know where you're going here. By eagle-eyed shite yep. spotter, Evan Quick. Thank you for this. I don't know if to say thank you for this, Evan. However, I, I do feel my life will never be the same. <laughs> he says there's apparently a celeb X Factor going on at the minute. I didn't know that either. And Ben... I, I caught about five minutes of it where Martin Bashir was doing Frank Sinatra, and it was just a bit weird, if I'm honest. <laughs> At least, at least Bashir would have brother. given off that kind of, you know, accountancy conference karaoke sort of vibe. I couldn't, <laughs> I couldn't it understand. did on that point. Except it's sort of, in, it looked, it's, it's filmed in a place that looks like the Love Island Villa, which just confuses me. It's like ITV have got double, like they've got a discount booking or something. Well, anyway. As part of this celebrity, this. you know, fest, former England fullback Ben Foden, injured Scottish <sighs> winger Tom Evans, and Levi Davis, I'm not sure who he is. Who's Levi Davis? He plays for Bath. He's Does an he? American rugby player. I don't remember. See, just shows you. Yeah. I'm, I'm sorry I run a podcast and don't he know who should, he is. Frankly, frankly, as an American, he should know better. He here. should know better than what is about to fucking transpire down your ear holes, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> they formed a band called TriStar. T-R-Y-C. Oh. Can you see what oh. they've done there? And they decided to unleash this fucking monstrosity onto the world. <laughs> I can't, I'm not going to play it all, but just listen to this. Mm-hmm. Folds drop the verse. Shall get down? Good Lord. Baby got him working all over town. Strictly this, we don't play around. See, people say, say that Ben Foden's a good singer. He's really not. No, he's not, is he? He sounds like a goose farter in the fog. I can't get it out of my mind now. I think about the girl all the time. Here comes Evans. She got tricks in the stash, stacking up the cash. Fast when it comes to the gas. By no means average. She's already about to happen. Baby, you're a perfect thing. I wanna get in. Can I get down so I can? I mean it's just They all look like divorcees at Butlins as well, it doesn't help. <laughs> oh, honest to God! It's just so bad. Look, I, mean, I get it. It's, a, it's you know, the none of the these people are exactly on the crest of a popularity and public relevance wave at the moment. So, doing something like this is probably good for their inverted commas profile. I guess some, <laughs> but fuck me, it wouldn't bad. let me in the jungle. Yeah. So I'm doing this. The, um... <laughs> so, I mean, there was a point in the video of this where Simon Cowell's face almost looked like it was trying to emote. I mean, what is going on with Simon Cowell's face? Honestly, he 
looks like a weird sex doll now. It's yeah, so horrendous. strange. Absolutely It's the combination of the teeth and the eyes, and everything's been pulled back a little bit too tight. Yeah, he's got he's like, it looks like he has like, no eyelashes anymore. Yeah, he looks like, you know when in like, like films where somebody's like, puts a plastic bag over someone's face in like a mob film and tries to like fucking choke them? <laughs> yes. That's what his face just looks like now. It's weird. It looks like he's pressing, violently pressing on the outside of a plastic bag, desperately struggling to breathe. Is his resting face at the moment? I know he let. I mean, no diggity by Blackstreet, right? It's probably one of the best singles of the past oh, thirty-five song. years, without it. even any have... doubt about it, right? I, I mean, that is no just bad awful. word said about no diggity, even after this. I still, part of me was still enjoying it, even though it was bad. Because in my it was head, no diggity, yeah. the real one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But even the, even the backing track was un- incompetent. <laughs> On the original bit, where they're like, you know, where they've got the fucking proper scratching of the decks, it was just like somebody going. <laughs> on a drum. Like, that's not the fucking. Oh, useless. Just half assed by everyone involved. So I don't know if they got through. I don't know what the point of this was, or they're getting through to something else, <laughs> but it was, it was fucking. <laughs> I mean, they followed She's got class and style. Where's Levi now? She money by the pound. Baby I mean, never he's the best wild. singer. He's been broken in as a non-famous rugby player. Let me tell you how it goes. Everyone's like painfully pretending to, to enjoy it and everything. It's awful. <laughs> it's honestly one of the... As a, as a, as a programme idea... It's ba- it's just fucking stars in their eyes without the fucking dressing up, isn't it? Well, do you remember Matt Stevens went on it as well, back in the day? Yeah. Oh, he did, didn't he? Yeah. Pre-Coke Matt it's, Stevens it's... went on there. I don't know, his throat sounded a bit dry when he was on there, I'll be honest. <laughs> yeah, he did Smooth <laughs> by Santana. Yes, he did. God. I oh, see, part of me wants to find that now. I mean, I'm going to have a little look. I know we have to start, we have to start, you know, the podcast at some point, <laughs> but... Uh... Uh, I mean, Matt, the only reason that Matt Stevens went on like two fucking lines to us was because he provided uh, guitar accompaniment. So you know, good tourist, good tourist, great tourist. I can't find it. I think he might have been purged from the internet. Damn, it's a, it's a tragic shame. Oh no, it hasn't. Ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> it's Matt Stevens. Boot-cut jean and leather jacket combo, you know, that's the time it was. This was fake this. Now it's a hot one, a seven inches from the midday sun. I hear your whisper and the words melt everyone, but you stay so cool. No, I can't take it no more. Wait. Why is this backing track so slow? Like, you can tell he's trying to sort of sing it at his actual pace. That's amazing. I've actually sung smooth on karaoke, I hate to say. And it, it sounds like it's a better yes, song to sing than it is. It comes in, it's in yeah. quite a low register. And you're like, oh, I've been caught out here. That I've got nowhere yeah. to go with singing this low. And you expect it to go up in a chorus <laughs> and it doesn't really go up. It's still quite low, so. There's nothing worse than getting caught out in karaoke with a song that you think is doable and then you discover about seven or eight bars in that it is 
dramatically outside your range. What one I way call or the some might say by Oasis problem. Yes. <laughs> the born to run problem. Oh, yeah. I, I don't know. That was a non-starter. <laughs> Anything by Springsteen. Anyway. Yeah. Moving bad. on. Anyway. This is... To business. <laughs> talking about rugby in this <laughs> to business. Oh, it was rugby related. Uh... Come on. To business. Yeah. I mean, Where do we want to go first? Matt Stevens was tangential. You can absolutely date that... Um the age of that clip by the way because like all tv shows at that point it used uh battle without honor or humanity from the kill bill soundtrack as the uh yes as the coming in <laughs> like, that doesn't happen anymore i discovered that ridiculous 12 minute version of um please don't let me be misunderstood from the kill bill soundtrack quite recently by santa maria or something they're called it's yeah. amazing <laughs> honestly in a completely overblown stupid like about- way yeah, say what you like about Quentin Tarantino. It He's genuinely is. Cunt. Yeah, but he knows how to put a fucking soundtrack together. Doesn't he, he absolutely does. So, anyway, yeah, rugby, to business. There's only one place to start, isn't there? <laughs> start then. Japan Samoa? Uh, Wales Uruguay? Japan Samoa. <laughs> Japan, Samoa um, so, because I see, I've got Ireland Samoa written underneath that game. Japan Scotland, yes. Onward. Yeah, we probably should start there, shouldn't we? Yeah. You know what I like uh, about this game? Is it in the outcome of it all? The Yako Piper ridiculous bonus point decision didn't matter. Yeah. The Typhoon didn't matter. Any of it didn't matter. They, they got out got there, they played a game, entire... and the result was what it was. Yeah, they got there entirely on their own merits, and fair play to them. It could have been so different. There were so many sort of like asterisks being prepared. <laughs> You know, mm. like like you say, the the bonus point thing, the typhoon thing, you know, and in the end, they just demonstrated quite comprehensively that they absolutely fucking deserve to be in the quarterfinals, and I'm bloody glad that we're not playing them. What um, what must that build up have been like for both those teams? Really, it must be so hard to keep yourself honestly. Like, the fact that this, like, for all of the criticism that World Rugby got, and some of it you know, right, quite right so, and some of it entirely unjustified, but all the criticism that World Rugby got and the organising sort of committee got, the fact that this game went ahead, you know, hours Mm. after a fucking typhoon is remarkable. And not just, you know, not just that it was a game, you know, the game went ahead, but the game went ahead with people in the stadium. Yes. You know, it... And they could get there and not have to trip over stuff. And yeah, it yeah, yeah, exactly. And weren't swimming there. You know, it's it's it. Yeah, it's remarkable that it happened, and I'm really you know fucking delighted it happened because holy shit, was this not one of the best games of rugby you've ever fucking what seen? A game Let's of be honest. Rugby. I was having to cover it live, and as much as I fucking loved it, it was equal parts joyous and exhausting because I was having to keep up. Oh, I can imagine. It was relentless. It was absolutely relentless. I felt tired watching it. Yeah. And and I think the thing is, it it proved that the Ireland result was no fluke, obviously, because actually it had a very, very similar pattern. Scotland's first first 15 minutes, they really made quite the mess of Japan's breakdown, actually. Jamie Ritchie in particular was getting in there. I think Mm. they had three turnovers in the first 10 minutes, Scotland, one way. Alan Dell got in on one and he thought, ooh, hang on. But what Japan and, seemed to do... Interestingly, Scotland were really playing... They were really on the right side of the ref for the first mm. 15 or 20 minutes. And then 
and they were really like to be honest with you, they were really getting the wrong end of some decisions because like they were getting pinged for stuff that should not have been pinged, and Scotland were getting away with a lot of stuff, and then all of a sudden like, and it shows what a good, clever, well coached team they are. They just adapted. Mm. They they looked at what the ref was basically giving, and went right. Let's not do that then. And then they didn't, and then they weren't really in any kind of penalty trouble for the rest of the game at all. And so few teams do that. Well, they just kept it away so from the Brett, didn't they? Oh, well, we'll, we'll try and keep yeah. it from going on the floor then. And it's a way that they back their ability to do that. So we'll just start offloading a bit more, then we'll keep it moving. So we we'll nullif- we'll move them around a bit and nullify that rock a bit more. Incredible yeah. stuff. Honestly, it was like one of the most consummate, like, especially given the pressure that that game was, you know, both from a results point of view, from a psychological, everything that was going on around it point of view, to turn in a performance like that, so professional, so consummate, so composed, like, I don't think many other teams would have been capable of that, to be honest. We're just saying the same stuff we said from the Ireland game, aren't we? That's the thing. The fact that they can duplicate this incredible high pace, high skill, high option game and everybody can play it. When the bench came on as well, it was exactly the same. And the front rowers can play it. Oh, you know, everyone. Fucking hellfire. <laughs> that lag, is it Laganaki's called? Whoa, fucking hell. I know. <laughs> he was just like, I mean, whatever he's earning in Japan at the moment, like add a note onto the end of it and any club in France in will Inagaki, just... not Laganaki, Laganaki is, yeah. is a cheese thing you buy in Greece, I think. Um, in a gaki. <laughs> Did you see that poor G1 uh, yeah. coup when he went off and was in tears? Oh, my God, that was horrible. And then they just brought that bloody but... Ivalu one who just carried on smashing the shit yeah, out of everything. Yeah, exactly the same. Yeah, there was a, that's the thing. When you worry with a team like Japan, when they lose like a front rower early like that, you think, oh, fuck, is this going to come and bite? And to be fair, they did. In the last 20 minutes, they were struggling at scrum time. Like, yes understandably, because, you know, they didn't have any fresh props to bring on and Scotland were bringing them on. But, like, it was so sort of representative of everything that Japan do that they just brought somebody on and not a single beat was missed. You know, the scrum was fucking rock solid. And, yeah, it was just... They, uh, they, know, they, get a... they trust each other. That's the thing. It's, it's So mm. much of this is about trusting the people around them because there's always someone on the shoulder. There's always someone taking a chance at making a support run. There's always somebody there to receive the pass. They don't have any complete terror when they're playing either because Wales feed you, right? You could see that Wales were in a sort of half state of terror for for most of that game. Understandably so, maybe. But somehow, is it because Japan aren't expected to win? Is it because there's no fear of sort of, well, if we lose, we lose, I suppose. I don't know. That's doing them down a bit, I think. A, I think they want to win. That would be a win, really but... interesting thing to go now. When I know they're underdogs against South Africa, but there is a certain degree of expectation now. And the only time that they've really looked a little bit flaky this whole tournament was against Russia in that opening game, mm. where you could sense there was an expectation, and the expectation was that you know Japan could put 50, 60 points on Russia. And as it was, you know, Japan got out of there and got their bonus points. They did not play very well at all. And you wonder now with the weight of expectation, with the weight of, you know, particularly given this fucking South Africa of all teams, with what happened four years ago, like how will they, 
how will they respond to that? You know, it's it's something that they haven't really had to deal with before. And it's kind of a bit of a sort of, it's a, a tipping point for a lot of teams. You know, he's dealing with that expectation of being expected to be good instead of being a pleasant surprise. What we do know is that South Africa will have to figure out that problem of how the fucking hell you get the ball off them. And I'm not sure <sighs> what South Africa so, offered so that another team hasn't offered. I mean, I suppose they carry a bit more, I suppose, but not they don't really carry much more Never than give Ireland. It- Never give it to them in the first place is basically because that's what that's what Scotland did for about twenty minutes in the second half. You know they just kept the ball off them, and they did their own version of you know very patient, very methodical phase play, and yeah, that sort of that did cause them problems because particularly particularly when Scotland started sending their big carriers just through them. Basically, you know, and not like Scotland really have that many big carriers, but they were just sending the big lads over the top. I remember in the sort of seventy-second minute when Blade Thompson had a couple of carries and looked pretty impactful, and, and Japan's response to it was to counter rook over the ball the second time he carried. <laughs> that was the they thing, just do yeah, nothing, they... but they do nothing but surprise you the whole time, don't they? Or yeah. they look fuck now. Oh no, they just counter rooked. Okay, I think that's the thing. It's got to be incredibly. They're incredible. They're so well coached. Jamie Joseph is going to get any. He'd probably get the England job um, after this World Cup. You could take his pick of almost any job because you look at how well coached they are, and so much of it. You know, they're talented players. Don't get me wrong, but so much of how good they are is just how well coached they are and how well coached their fundamentals are, and how intelligent they are. It's they're not like other teams, are they? Yeah. <laughs> They they, and that's true. They genuinely play differently to every other team. And I think that w- this is what's going to be interesting coming into next weekend is everyone else is going to tighten up and I'm not sure that they will. I think that's the interesting thing because everyone else has got yeah. has been in this situation before. And I hope that's, that's how they're really going to be coached anyway. Thing, I mean, is there a better... I mean, it's easy to get a bit, you know, hyperbole and hubristic about this after that performance, but... Is there a better centre pairing playing rugby right now than Nakamura and Lafayette? Oh, they're incredibly good. Nakamura like, was was, they, was almost anonymous in that game whilst being fundamental to fucking everywhere. everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's like he's like the most perfect, like classy, understated twelve yes. you could ever ask for. In that, all he does is make all of the right passes. Yeah, in all of the right times and makes all of the right decisions. He's basically just like a sort of Hadley Parks in his prime. It's 2018 but, Hadley Parks. Yeah, 2018, sort of 2017 era Hadley Parks, where all he does is just make, unspectacularly make the good decision. And yeah, I just, and then, you know, you've got an absolute firecracker outside Oh, he's absolute box office, but, isn't he? Lafayette. Honestly, every time he's just got the ball at pace, I was just like, <laughs> what's happening here? And that's before you get to the, the start, start back, you know. Well, yeah. I mean, the fact that one of those wingers is retiring at 27 at the end of this World Cup to become a doctor is ridiculous, frankly. Some people defer are fuck for all going two for years. Them, fuck all going Honestly, for defer for another year, mate. Go and make a fuck ton of money in Europe <laughs> because anyone will have you. Yeah, Same is. with Matsushima, really. Yes. But, it was, but uh, I don't think any of them do would particularly want to go to Europe anyway. When you look at the sort of, they seem to be, they've got such a good squad environment there. 
like and obviously they don't get paid badly in the top league to say the least like it'd be nice to see some of these players playing in northern hemisphere rugby or in super rugby to, but hang on, so surely some of these players are playing in super rugby like <laughs> why have the sunwolves not been playing like this you know it's funny isn't it it's weird, but, you know. When you look enough to comment to be like, honest, but that's yeah, it's 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 a question well, that needs answering. Occasion, occasionally fun, but they've not been like this. Like, yeah, I don't know. I find it very. It's it's like sort of non-joined up in a way that the Haguaras and Argentina are joined up, but I guess it's possibly to Argentina's detriment that that's happened anyway. So, I mean, it's just that point about um, keeping the ball. Scotland kicked the ball away. Mm. 28 times to, to, to Japan's 12. Some of that's about poor decision-making, but some of that is also about the fact that they were just pinned in their own half for so long. So many times. How good was Michael Leach? Uh, but he's basically man-marking Stuart Hogg. Like, did you <laughs> see how he was just... Yeah, drift, as soon as Stuart point. Hogg got the ball, he would just drift out into the wide channels and then Stuart Hogg would sort of try to arc around the outside and Michael Leach would just appear and smash the fuck out of him. And it just kept happening. For that point about how well coached you are, you see, he said, your job is, as soon as we lose possession, is to get into that in-between 13 and 14 channel that Hog yeah. loves to arc into. Yeah, and then wait for it and just fucking batter him every time. <laughs> Hog was terrible in that game because he got absolutely no change out of that defensive line whatsoever. Every time he went on one of his runs, he just hit the defensive line and end up probably two feet backwards from where he was. It was like one of the most ineffective games I've seen him play because they just they they went oh well he's the danger man so if we stop him playing it makes it much harder for everybody else and they just did it and they ex- they execute what they they have a game plan and they execute it probably better than any other team in this tournament it's that, pretty remarkable that Inagaki try it was mm. it, they they scored it like do you remember those training drills used to do in high school. Where you have to kind of bump and turn and pass, <laughs> bump and turn and pass. He did that three yeah. times, and he just he just fell over yeah. the line. It's almost like, the, like your point, the coach so well in fundamentally basic stuff, well executed. That it's almost like pros that are going to go in. Oh fucking hell, we don't do this anymore because we we run one three four two <laughs> patterns and we're trained to defend against that rather than yeah. just some big lads hitting you then offloading quickly. You know, it was it was interesting watching Sam Warburton talk about that in the halftime thing actually, where he was basically saying like you know this should be where their broken line defence is coming in and the first thing that you should be doing as a covering defender is trying to get in between the man and his offload and they just weren't, they were nowhere near it. Mm. And I honestly, like you say, I just think they were just surprised that they did one offload and then another offload and then usually most teams would try to kind of recycle that in some way or reset or do something, and, but they just kept going because it was working. It's almost like, this is just, it's brilliant. We said it before, but it's just, it's not complicated what they're doing. It's incredibly simple. It's yeah. incredibly basic, but it's just executed so well. And even that try that looked on the face of it magnificently complex because of the degree of skill they showed when um, Lafayette kicked through and did he kick through? Mm. And then Matsushima grabbed it and then, yeah. and then one-handed offloaded it into Pukuoka. It's just like, None of that is particularly complex stuff. They've just basically worked enough of an angle for him to do that, and it's just perfectly. Mm. And just it just sums up their whole game, really. That's just so good. And they've got and they've got the defense so committed that there's no, you know, they've brought the defense up. They've got this, so there's minimal cover in that space between the twenty-two and the try line, and then they've just kicked into the space. You know, it's 
they are doing they're, they're playing rugby to a, in space instead of playing <laughs> rugby for collisions yes. oh no is it everywhere no sure stay and sort that out we can have dinner another time amazing whether it's cancelled plans need to get in the kitchen and calm down or the need for a quick convenient distraction Introducing Goodfellas Mini Pizzas. Four mini pizzas made with respect that cook in 11 minutes. Goodfellas Minis. Embrace the unexpected. As more sectors across Ireland are reopening, the COVID-19 pandemic unemployment payment is changing. If you're currently receiving this payment, the amount you receive will change from the 16th of November. To find out more about how these changes will affect you, visit gov.ie forward slash PUP changes. A Government of Ireland initiative brought to you by the Department of Social Protection. I don't get me wrong, like, I enjoy a collision as much as the next man, obviously, but, like, it is worth remembering that that's, this sport is more entertaining when people are not looking for contact and are trying to keep the ball alive in the way that Japan were on the weekend. And, yeah, it's... It's kind of mad in a way, isn't it, that Japan are kind of showing the rest of the rugby world, with the exception of perhaps the All Blacks, how the sport is supposed to be played. Well, I don't in know a way. it's supposed to be played because I don't like going down that road because there's many ways to, yeah, to enjoy enough, rugby. I, I think they're showing it's the way that it can be played successfully. And something yeah. about if well, you it, ma- imagine it if somebody's with 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 New Zealand's playing staff got into this kind of structure. Be interesting, wouldn't it? I mean, yeah. they do bits. They do do bits of this, but I've never. I've not seen a team for years, and to be honest, they did exactly the same playing England at Twickenham last autumn for the first half. This is what they did, and then in the end, they got battered. What they've done is managed to keep that going not to a level, battered. and then when they do lose yeah. the ball, still concede points, but not to a level where they get a little bit hammered. So, yeah, well, that's the thing. They have you know I mean? comfortably beaten. Yeah, but they they've basically. You know they've been together for two years. Mm. This squad, yeah, <laughs> and not in a sense that this squad have played together. You know they have basically been training and working together for this World Cup for two years, and it's been the most of what they've done. And you know most teams will not have that luxury ever, but there's certainly they're pointing the way that if you want to play a more expansive game, that is the way to do it. Yes, you know. Well, they've redefined what percentage rugby is. Yeah. Because percentage rugby for them is possession yeah. as a form of defence, basically, which is amazing. Yeah. A little bit like um, Barcelona did in the football. They play kind of ticky-tacker rugby, if you like. <laughs> well, it's sort of the notion of like sort of possession as defence is kind of something that Ireland and, and Exeter mm. have sort of done in a, in a different way. But they just do it in such a more dynamic way and such a more sort of... Whereas Ireland and Exeter both kind of work on a, you know, just go through phase after phase after phase and create some sort of... 10 metres square of the field, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, and eventually, you know, no defensive system can, you know, carry on indefinitely and eventually somebody will make a mistake somewhere and then you can exploit it. Whereas Japan's sort of possession mantra just appears to be instead of just sort of patiently sitting and waiting for a mistake to happen it's confound them yeah and basically keep a defense guessing by throwing as many 
angles and throwing as many dummy runners and offloads and basically constantly keeping the defense on its heels and second guessing itself until eventually you get the breakthrough. But it's it's a you know it's a hell of a lot better to watch than it is to watch Exeter or Ireland, that's for sure. But it's kind of taking the same concept but just doing it in a dramatic substantially more sort of dynamic way. Right from the first second, they just defined everything about what's great about them by doing that grubber kick, short kickoff, which forced Scotland to knock it on. You know, right. it's just like, oh, yes, come on. <laughs> like within three minutes, it's like, Jesus Christ, what is going on in this game? Yeah, so it's um, glorious stuff. And they, again, don't forget, they yeah. went behind again. It's easy to forget that, like, yeah. like against Ireland, they went behind again. They weren't having their own way and they just don't panic and they don't change their game plan. And they just, they, they managed to do it absolutely brilliantly. And what, even what? when it looked like Scotland were mounting a serious comeback in that second half yeah, as well, when it sort say, of well, felt you know, like... With the Scotland, what do we say about Scotland, I suppose? But yeah. I mean, I, on the one hand, I feel for Scotland in the sense that I think they could have come up against pretty much anybody this weekend and woe betide anybody <laughs> like who if they could have been south africa it could have been wales it could have been england i think anybody would have had their hands extremely full with japan this yes. weekend however <laughs> they didn't yeah there's gonna be quite a post-mortem on scotland i think but japan well, were a sensational yeah. first and foremost yeah they and really i don't think were. we should say i just think the scotland have lost two games in this world cup yeah and that's suboptimal especially given you know that Scotland were talking about, you know, two or three years ago, were talking about being in the position of winning this World Cup. Um, this is your fault for saying they could give New Zealand a game in the quarters. This is entirely your fault. <laughs> listeners, know, don't I think know, we don't know. know whose fault it is, Scottish <laughs> listeners. It's yours. We discovered, we discovered this last week. <laughs> um, no, I think that there's definitely a... I don't know, it's it's... <laughs> It's an interesting conundrum for Scotland because they didn't play badly for large portions of this game. They didn't defend well, and I think they met they their basics let them down. Their set piece let them down, mm. particularly in the first half. But they they came back and they played some very good rugby, and they they they, they got, got within. Them, they? they just ran out of time, basically. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But Japan did a very good job of running them out of time. Yes, you know, counter well, rocking, take a long that... time to set up, and all that kind of stuff. Very, you know, clever stuff. Well, there was that moment after Scotland scored the first or maybe their second try, where Japan went down the other end, and most teams would be sort of desperate to basically score, and you know, to, to get some sort of points on the board and to try and sort of use a quick set move or something like that to try and get another try and usually end up turning the ball over. But what Japan did was that they got into the 22 and then they just sat there for about yeah. five minutes. And that is just <laughs> so from a sort of whether you believe in fucking momentum or not, like from a, a sheer sort of like pressure of the t clock and pressure of the scoreboard point of view, just basically having the ball in the opposition 22. And, you know, you, you realize that you don't need to, you know, you've already got an eight point lead. Just keep the ball. And the longer you keep the ball, the more you're, especially given how Scotland needed 15 points. Mm. Like, they knew full well that all they needed to do was just get into the 22 and just sit there and wait for something to happen. You know, maybe they get a penalty, 
maybe the ball gets turned over, whatever. The more time they could waste, the better. It was just so savvy. And I don't think Scotland really had an answer for that level of savviness. I think Scotland looked good for 12 minutes until they didn't have the ball for half an hour. And I don't think they're the only team <laughs> yeah. that are going to come yeah, unstuck yeah. against Japan like that. And Japan are playing at home. You know, it pains me to say it. I didn't really know the Japan anthem before this weekend. I'd not really paid attention. If I had, it's not stuck in my head. It's really mm. kind of um, haunting and elated. Apparently, of, it's quite controversial. Elegiac, like, isn't it? It's, 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 it's this kind of lovely, of melancholy sort of song. Apparently, quite a lot of... Um, because it's quite a... Um, a controversial song because of its association with Empire and such and things right. that went on before. Um, apparently quite a lot of Japanese people don't sing it oh, because, because of that. But apparently there's been a big sort of thing over the last week or two of like the Japanese press and like the organising committee and Japanese rugby union sort of basically saying, look, put all of your reservations aside and please start singing the anthem to support the team and they fucking delivered let's be honest because mm. that it was wonderful you know I, I i know a good anthem before a game you know i, I don't but yeah go on yeah <laughs> um i can understand was, them not wanting um, to sing their own national anthem that's completely and yeah, utterly right in my wheelhouse that, yeah. that is well, this, this this anthem is in some way problematic all of a sudden <laughs> No. It's not ours isn't um, particularly problematic. It's just about some rich no, woman in an house I couldn't give a yeah. flying fuck about, basically. So. <laughs> yeah, but that, you know, as anthems go, that was fucking spine-tingling shit. And it, the, the noise didn't stop. That was no. the thing that I think was just remarkable about it. Is every time that one of the commentators shut up for two minutes, like... The just the din of the crowd was just fucking remarkable. If they can do that for the quarterfinal and potentially beyond, well, they're in Tokyo next, aren't they? Timidy, fucking hell! I mean, that's not going to be a could be quite a partisan crowd. Yeah, I would imagine watching the Brighton Miracle on their iPods and that before. <laughs> Did I just say iPod? It was an iPod. Now is it still a thing? An iPod? Since it's phones do everything now, iPods don't exist anymore, Lee. All right, Granddad. I'm Android, and I don't look into these things. <laughs> I've got a Google Pixel. I'm kind of with it. Listen to me. I just use the term with it. Fuck me. <laughs> Ergo demonstrating how completely not I am. Uh, right, moving on. So, I... Scotland, though. Scotland, right. though. Like, yeah, no, go on in. The Let's thing that I think this. we probably need to look as a sort of final thought is where does Scotland go from here? Because... Well, they really did put all of, of the, every single egg they own into Gregor Townsend's basket-shaped head, didn't exactly. they? Exactly. Yeah, they've they've bet the fart. They got rid of the He's best. Maneuvered coach it in a little bit of a kind of you know succession on Sky Atlantic type scenario, wasn't it? Yeah. Well, that's the thing. They got rid. You know, they got rid of the best coach that they've ever had in Big Vern. They only killed a few animals. Let's be honest. Who killed? You know, uh, probably no more than a dozen animals. Maybe two dozen, but <laughs> regardless, of, regardless of his attitude to animals, he was an exceptionally good coach for them and turned Scotland into a very, very difficult team to match up with because they were dynamic and they were fucking bastards. Also completely hairless, and, his entire body. Yeah, shiny absolutely. And hairless. Yeah. 
There's a lot to Why be said for that. Why do you think you like Alistair Strokos so much? You know, <laughs> they were they were kindred spirits in that regard. But you know, you know, like you say, the thing that happened with bringing in Townsend and sort of, you know, they they brought they basically gave Townsend the top job because he was basically saying, "Oh, I'm not waiting any longer." Mm. Was the, sort of is the implication that is given. And that will always and be the thing that kind of gets thrown muscle. back at them, won't it? Did he have a good enough CV for you to basically yeah. give him that level of a reach around? Yeah, and give him that level of control and give mm. him that level of authority straight out of the bat. And it's, I mean, can you honestly say they haven't regressed from the team that they were under Cotter? They've, they've improved in some ways, absolutely. But as a team... Are you more intimidated and more worried about playing Scotland now than you were two or three years ago? I don't think you are. Yeah. Everything comes back to the games versus England, doesn't it? You know, if I caught a cup game yeah. in 2018 and the one this year, they ultimately didn't win either. But um, yeah, it's just, you know, can't, if they're that team, then everyone should be a little bit worried. But mm. But they're not consistently, are they? And I suppose what the SRU will look at, bringing it back to your question, I suppose they're going to go, but we know that performance is in them. Yeah. And, and maybe part of it is that... Maybe they need Rob Andrew to do a review. That's maybe. what solves everything but after the World Cup. They certainly need to stop giving teams massive head starts before they start playing like they should do. Because that's what costs them against England, that's what costs them in this game, you know. But well, they still. I, first. I don't know. It's just that they couldn't then stop yeah. Japan from scoring for half end. an hour. So <laughs> over and over again. Yeah. But you know, I'm not sure what. I think um, Townsend's win ratio is just fifty percent. No, that's not untypical for a Scotland coach, though. I think there is something about understanding well, that's, that's what, the thing. what Big, par Big is. Verne's, Big Verne's was fifty-three, right, when he left, and. He's the most successful Scottish coach of the professional era. So it does show that, you know, as much as I feel like we all expect more from us from Scotland than we should do, in a way, sort of. I don't want to sort of come over all like that that paid for columnist that the SIU hired <laughs> after the first game. But like, I think for all of us, you know, Scotland fans or otherwise, we probably do need to sort of check our expectations sometimes because we look at the talent that Scotland have and we think, ah, oh, these guys should be competing for stuff, but we've got to remember where Scotland are coming from and it's always going to be a process. Yeah, and there's nothing wrong with sort of saying they're capable of winning something, but it don't be surprised if mm. they don't. It was ever thus with Scotland, wasn't it? Yeah, and I think that's that's probably the, the inherent and eternal frustration of being a Scotland fan right there, isn't it? You know, it's mm. there's always the great potential to do very well, but there doesn't seem to be this ability to consistently knock it to that higher level and that bigger level. And I feel like they've got. Look, you look at the players that are coming through now, and you just think that they've got to be. It's, it's, it's got to be coming at some point, surely. I suppose you know? the question for me is always what what is it that we think might be coming? Finishing second winning or stuff. Third, winning the Six Nations or, or getting close enough to it, getting second and actually looking like a team that's gonna win it. I suppose that's what well that's what to be honest, that's 
competing. Yeah. That's what everybody wants, isn't it? Nobody's completely dominant all yeah. the time. I suppose it's just getting into that. <coughs> the trouble is, the six days, there's only six teams, and really, realistically, there's only five mm. teams. So it's like, well, how do you move into an upper bracket? A couple of results go badly one year. It's a really, every year, it's the Six Nations in particular is a very small sample to base your success on, isn't it? From it a really kind of analysis is, point of view. And it's like, well, actually, yeah. you're really shit. It's like, we only played five fucking games. You know, that's, yeah. that's what, and most about, of them that's what, against, 3% yeah. of a baseball season. You know, it's kind of... Yeah, and, and some of it is basically like, you know, a lot of that is determined on who's got more home games that year or whatever. Some it's, teams manage to do it, though. Yeah. There is something about, you know... Yeah, you know. But the, the the point that you make about teams sort of very easy, it's very easy to have a bad year, and it is like all it takes is to lose one game. You take <laughs> one, you lose them. one game, you lose two games. You but you know you lose one game, you have a an all right season. You lose two games, you're having a bad season. Well, look at England this year, fucking incredible performance in Dublin. Everyone, oh shit. Yep. And then it was yep. a couple of lot. Then a couple of players. Like, oh no, it was a bad tournament. So. It's yeah. tricky, isn't it? Because it's just so few games. The wheels can come off, and that's the thing. I think with Scotland, it's it's they've got to just every, the the difference between Scotland and everybody else is, and by everybody else, I mean you know Ireland, Wales, England, like hmm. all of them have had, you know, they've had bad seasons over the last five or ten years. Certainly, Wales have. And certainly England have. Not so much Ireland, though occasionally here and there. But like, they've also mixed those up with Grand Slams. Yeah, the line kind of goes up and down on the graph, doesn't it? The trend line goes up. The the line goes up and down for the past ten years. Yeah, Scotland just tends to incredibly. Yeah, the Six Nations is an incredibly small sample size, but that does mean you've only got to win five games. True. You know, (laughs) that's the other way of looking at it. You've got to put together a performance five times. That's all you've got to do. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and that's something that they just they haven't seemed to be able to crack. Certainly, away from home is an absolute huge problem for them. But I just they they haven't got any choice but to stick with with uh, with Townsend for the time being, because I mean, they, like you say, they've they've nailed their colours to the mast with him, and I guess he kind of needs to have at least another season or two to see if mm. he's the real deal, but. Things are not trending positively at the moment, I don't feel. I'd like to see him stick with him because he's obviously a decent and talented coach. I've, but Yeah, definitely. You know, and there's something about giving somebody, you know, time is more beneficial than, than chopping and changing coaches. We all kind of accept that. Anyway, we need it to is, move on. Definitely. Yes. Ireland Samoa. Good game. It, yeah, it was decent enough. Samoa did the best before they started, like, giving about 18 penalties a minute in the last... Uh, yeah. Is, I was I mean, doing I'm this for, for the Guardian, the... right? I was doing this game mm. for the Guardian. A little bit of a story for you. And when Ireland were attacking in the second half <laughs> and just going through the same motions each time of just driving it up and it was all very straightforward, I said on the Guardian, Ireland's attack's a bit like Groundhog Day now. Overrated, not very funny, with an unconvincing female lead. And I thought, <laughs> that's quite a good... That's quite a good... Now, it's quite funny, it's a good line. Thank yeah, you. Yeah. I put unconvincing female lead because they're all men. Mm-hmm. Therefore, they're unconvincing yes. females. That was my thought process. Yes. Hopefully, people who are listening to this understand that's what my thought. I got yeah. quite a number of emails. First email said, how dare you say that about Joey Carberry? And I was literally mystified. I went, I've literally <laughs> just said that he's, he's kicked conversions. I really don't know what I've said. I had to go back to the guys. I don't know what I've said. 
He came back and went, you've accused him of, of, of playing like a woman. And I was oh like, oh, God. what? Where? Oh, oh, right. Oh, shit. Rest, and I got at least half a dozen other emails basically saying about sexist, I mean, it is The Guardian, let's be honest, about sexist language and stuff. And I was <laughs> like, oh, shit, yeah. I think that's how it could go across. The perils of trying to be funny in live rugby uh, commentary. Yeah, on the internet. In this current world that we live in. Yeah, just, yeah. just shows you that, doesn't it? To be fair, I went, look, I didn't realize it would come across like that. There you go. My apologies. But this is what I meant. Still, see, I forget, you see, on on Still, Twitter, though. when I say things like that, people kind of tend to know where I come from on these things. On the yeah, Guardian, it's the sort people of just thing think of I'm like, a shitbag. So. Yeah, it's the sort of thing where you go in inverted commas for a greater or lesser degree viral when you get retweeted out of your usual circle of people who understand your humor it can yeah. it can things can snowball and get out of hand very very quickly yes because people don't know your foibles i guess yeah but, but anyway yeah little little story for you there yeah, what it's anyway, like out there in the big bad world and i'm not in my little echo <laughs> chamber bad. on twitter yeah <laughs> uh yeah i mean i genuinely thought that it was the fact that i'm sure you know ireland fans will not appreciate bundyaki getting himself sent off and banned for the rest of the rugby world cup but the fact that they did you know the one harm tied behind the back thing did make it more of a yeah a contest than it could even though the scoreline in the end of the day was in no way competitive at all but it wasn't it's, a miserable game to watch. Like a, a lot of these one-sided more, games. It felt more like a game than it yes. was. Yeah. And Ireland, to be fair, I don't think, I think I said at the end of it, that it was a kind of perfunct, perfunctorily <laughs> powerful performance, really. And which is like yeah. the stuff that Schmidt's dreams are made of, really. It's like, I just, yeah. you know, we got this thing going. A bruising <laughs> set of forwards got going. And we won it comfortably and we move on. And actually... If I was Irish, I wouldn't be too worried because watching that forwards performance, albeit against a, I'd, to be honest, I think after about sixty-five minutes, Samoa really couldn't be. Oh, well, they were anymore. done. Yeah, they, they yeah, had yeah. Enough. It was time to go home. Um, I knew can blame them. I'm not. I'm not criticizing him for that. I think there's a point where you're gonna go, you know. But um, yeah. if I was Scottish, Scottish, what's that doing? Then? If I was Scottish, I wouldn't care about this. If I was Irish, I would be quite happy to move forward with that forwards performance. Yeah, quite. I'd be quietly very pleased to New Zealand. Well, (laughs) but that's the thing, you know, of all the teams that they could have got, I mean, Ireland have a decent recent record. They've won two of the last three. It's true. Um, Very few other teams in the world can say they've won two of the last three against the All Blacks. So, you know, they, 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 they would like to be playing better than they are. I'm sure they'd like to be a bit more fluid than they are. But like you say, when they've got that pack of forwards, (laughs) the issue is South Africa also have that pack of forwards. And, (laughs) you know, South South Africa versus Ireland in the quarters would have effectively just been like two mirrors smashing together for 80 minutes. But we've seen what New Zealand did to South Africa in that they basically looked a bit where you know looked like they were struggling for about 20 minutes then in engaged the fuck everything protocol scored a load of tries and then made the rest of the game just look incredibly calm and composed while south africa just dashed themselves on the rocks of <laughs> of the great black, black wall of misery yeah yeah, yeah. and that was without brody rosalic so <laughs> 
Speaking it's... of black, what is going on with Craig Doyle's hair, man? Uh, it's I mean, it... so black, so very, very Ow. black. <laughs> It's not. He's always. Don't get me wrong. He's always had uh, very a dark, dark hair. Thatch, yes. I. I'm pretty sure that there, there's some artificial. It feels like there's some either the filter that ITV are using on their outside broadcasts is a little bit black heavy. It's or... inky black. <laughs> it's. It's. Have you ever had the misfortune of trying to decide what new phone you want and having to read phone reviews? Count how many times the word inky blacks is used about the colour of <laughs> fucking resolution on the screen. Imagine having to do that job. If everyone's out there who does that job, you honestly have my sympathy having to write reviews for mobile phones, which are essentially all the fucking same now and all cost about yeah. 800 quid. You know, all cost you 40 quid a fucking month. I mean, it's the same as tellies, isn't it? It's <laughs> yeah, you're like, trying to do a differentiation it's like... here. Yeah. The blacks are really black on this thing. It's like, well, all right, fucking David St. Ubbins. These <laughs> <laughs> blacks go all the way up to mega black. Yeah. How, how black could it get? None more black. <laughs> it, 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 yeah, I mean, speaking of none more black, though, um, New Zealand have had a nice weekend off. Um, Haven't they just, yeah? Yeah. Poor Sergio. No Poor Sergio. Oh, Imagine the prob- intergalactic levels of fuck it, I'll do it myself. He had teed up for this weekend. He'd have been kicking off. He'd he'd been- I bet he'd done a fucking storyboard and everything yeah. of what he was going to get up to. They'd been running through it in training all week, the exact <laughs> moment, so that he could score the try over in the corner, the consolation, the. I mean, I do feel for him. And then so. you will carry me on your shoulders back to the halfway line. What would you do, guys? <laughs> carry you on your fucking shoulders to the halfway line, Sergio, for fuck's sake. Uh, and then I'll, in the 10th minute, I will switch to playing at 9. And then in the 20th minute, I shall play at 10. And uh, Where will I be in the 20th minute, boys? The at fucking 10, Sergio. <laughs> <laughs> but... All that being said, uh, I do as, as a genuine legend of the professional era. Yeah, it's easy for us to be sniffy, right, which we have. Yeah, it's it is a real shame that he, he deserved to say goodbye in a World Cup in a better way than getting a fucking email saying the game's off, which is probably what he got. So, <laughs> yeah, it's it's horrible. And you I got can't... an email saying all parks games are off on the island of Hokkaido. <laughs> Equally, like. I'm, I was very gutted for Canada and Namibia because, like, somebody oh, deserved to win. Oh, that's a real fucking heartbreaker, that one, isn't it? Yeah. Namibia, I knew if you would have won that game. Namibia would have won their first ever Rugby World Cup game. I can almost guarantee it because Canada are coached by Kingsley Jones and are terrible. <laughs> and somebody deserved to break their duck there anyway. And, yeah, I just, oh, I really feel for them both because, obviously, you know, it could not be helped in, in any way, shape, or form. But it's, it doesn't stop it from being a fucker, does it? You know. Do you want to talk about the Aki? I thought the referee, Berry, by the way, Nick Berry, insert your own joke did here, a really good which, job. which we all did, did a very, very good job, actually. Um, he did a very good job. A lot of weird stuff about the Bundyaki sending off. People saying about how <laughs> he didn't have much time to decide what to do. Fair enough, it did happen quite quickly. When you look at the take, though, he did take four steps forward, planted his feet, and then drove his shoulder upwards. Now, I'm not saying he tried to fucking <laughs> kill the, or hurt the guy. I'm not saying that. But in a way, 
that was the perfect example of what they are trying to stop tacklers' instincts being. Because yeah. if your instinct is to take a There's few steps, that... plant your feet and drive your shoulder upwards, that's exactly what they want to stop. And people say, well, what's he supposed to do? Oh, I don't know, a passive tackle maybe? Remember when rugby used to have them? And that was perfectly acceptable. Yeah. You just they got stopped con- without just, having you your fucking man, bones you just got the man on the You just got the man on the floor. And then, yeah. and then but what the about the offload? Well, I don't know. What about the offload? Figure that out. You're all paid quite a bit of money to figure it out. <laughs> yeah. It's... Uh... Well, this is the thing that when I get a bit sort of annoyed and pissed off with people when, when as you say, they are just kind of saying, oh, well, players are just acting on instinct. And it's like, yeah. There's nothing that's, he could have done about that. There are many, many... He yeah. could have chosen not to tackle him. That's not yeah, advisable, like, but he could have chosen to do no. that. That's one of the things he could yeah, definitely do. There's always two yeah. options in like, any situation. Do nothing or do something. He could have done nothing. And there's... Yeah, you know, like people... Oh, well, he's just acting on instinct. That's the whole fucking point. They're trying... As you say, they're trying to stop players from acting on instinct in this manner in stop you know they're, they're trying to stop players from going into these tackles in a dangerous manner and yeah at the moment that is their first instinct is to do that and that's why it's being punished so harshly <laughs> they want it to stop yes yeah so that you stop so that when players stop go, acting on instinct and going oh fuck i'm just gonna fucking plant my shoulder into his chin you know it's no stop doing that and then this is the thing that I think people don't understand. Is like, this isn't going to be like this forever. Mm. Like every other like big safety crackdown law, they will be mad as fuck on this for about two years, until such a time as players change their behaviour, and then they'll become a lot more relaxed about it yeah. because they always do. And then it won't be that every game is getting a fucking red card. Because it'll be players don't... When it does happen, unless it's quite egregious, then players will just probably go, don't fucking do that, or it'll be a yellow card or it'll a penalty. It'll self-policing like lots of rules in rugby do. Because yeah. you don't want to go down to 10 men. Anyway, we've, we've kicked the arse out of that before, so let's, uh, let's yes. move on. So I'll move on to play South Africa. No, they don't. They're going to play New Zealand. Sorry. Yes. So are we doing a preview later this week? Because we can hold our, keep our powder dry yeah, for that, can't we? Yeah, let's do that. We'll do that Thursday or something. That's something to be all to look forward yeah. to, isn't it? Anything else in the games this weekend that we'd like to talk about? Um, England France was a belter. Uh, yeah, fantastic game. I mean, who saw that coming? Historic score. Um, Wales Fiji. How much I were you think... shitting yourself on a scale of of eight to five hundred uh, out of ten? It wasn't fun, mate. I'll level with you. <laughs> <laughs> Extremely glad when it was over. Um, and equally, Uruguay was just one of the hardest games to watch ever because it was just so fucking bad. Our hope that just... they'd been massively on the piss for the week and a half and would have turned up not arsed. No, they definitely did. not. They basically spent they spent the last ten days just sort of running through fucking brick walls with Alan Jones's face painted on them. I think <laughs> so the last ten they days were... getting their piss on an increasingly more rolling boil ready for when they turn up and play Wales. Yeah. <laughs> I did notice one thing that was slightly like as much as I enjoyed some of the shithousery, it was like, oh, okay, this is what happens with you lads if you're all together and you're a bit too wound up for long. You become the Uruguay football team, <laughs> i.e., 
just Minus, horrible just about bastards. minus the biting yeah yeah there was punching there was shoving there was fucking it was pushing each other in a tunnel all wasn't over it the place. yeah yeah somebody tried either depending on who you believe either Ross Moriarty started on someone or someone started on Ross Moriarty now yeah. given the situation <laughs> for one usually i'd say it was almost certainly Ross Moriarty starting on someone but I mean, he was just walking off as a sub, I think, at that point, wasn't he? Yeah, I, I <laughs> he don't was. Think... Yeah, he wasn't even on the fucking pitch. But yeah, it it became a little bit uh, fractious and a little bit too far, I think. And that's to be understood. When you're basically mainly semi-pro dudes, that sort of level of shit is kind of acceptable. Mm. But it's like, particularly some of the stuff like that. Just before they scored that try, <laughs> when the Uruguay number six literally punched someone full in the face when they came into the clear out of the ruck. Like, literally just raised their hand up above their head and just smashed them in the face. Like, that's not, that's, that's going to end your game very quickly if the referee spots that. And that's perhaps something that they need to work on. It's just keeping it. I enjoy the energy, I enjoy the barely contained psychopathy. <laughs> But just, just <laughs> you just need to keep a lid on it, lads. Um, but it did conspire to make one of the most unwatchable games of the tournament. It was fucking terrible, and I genuinely pray that that's Wales getting their absolute fucking clangor out of the system now. It was only marginally more entertaining than uh, Justin Tipperich's interviews at any time about anything. Oh, just looked what a player! But good god. <laughs> He's not. He see. He's a classic. Does his talking on the pitch guy? Isn't he just? Yes. Because <laughs> off the he's pitch, not he exactly can talk a glass eye to sleep with his interviews. So <laughs> he's not a raconteur, is he? In, in oh, the classical Lord, no. sense. No. I mean, I'd go so far as to say probably that England versus France was a more entertaining game than Wales Uruguay for a variety of reasons. But uh, yeah, I mean, it's done. Mission accomplished. Pool topped. I mean, that hasn't happened very often. I can't even remember when the last time that happened. 1999, something like that. Yeah, it was 87. Yeah, yeah. Last time we won all of our pool games was 87. So, you know, that's nice. I mean, we'll probably lose to France now, but... I mean, I don't want to curse it, but, I mean, France are fucking awful. (laughs) So, I mean, I've been saying all week in words, but Wales are going to the semi-finals. what France... Who knows what France have been doing for the last ten days? Yeah, that's true. Like they could have just they this it could have gone full Lord of the Flies in that place, and we wouldn't have any idea. <laughs> yeah, Gerardo's tied to a chair somewhere <laughs> with no clothes on. <laughs> yeah, they're all just wearing leaves and daubing themselves <laughs> in mud. <laughs> what the fuck was that thing with Tomo Ramos, by the way? Don't know, I missed that. What was that? Well, he got sent home injured out of the squad and then on Saturday was starting at 15 for Toulouse. That was as good as when they named Antonio as a replacement and then realised he was injured. It was up on like their Twitter feed, France's Twitter feed, for like an hour. They were like, he's injured. You can't name him as a replacement for the fucking France squad, you dickhead. <laughs> I don't know if uh, he actually played. I haven't actually checked if he played. But, uh... I wonder what he's done to be... To, to... <laughs> to be well, lied about sent home, he's going home. In, sent home injured and then <laughs> ends up in the fucking sent home because he's injured somebody's honour is what it is well I mean that is the the question isn't it like 
What? I mean, what is going on there? <laughs> Never change. Well, please do change, because actually I do genuinely want to see a competitive, consistently competitive French team. Don't we all? Uh, me too, just after this weekend. Just after please. this weekend, yeah. yeah. And, and it starts yeah. now, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> yeah. Right, should we go on to shit good then? Because we'll do a preview next week. Oh, fuck yeah, next yeah. Week, yeah, we should. Um, yeah. Uh, so, shit or good? Let's do shit, shall we? We've got shit from Phil Jones. Yeah. And he says, and this is a good spot, this, and it's as disturbing <laughs> as it's, it's as good a spot as it is a disturbing one. Phil Jones says that shit is Serene McGeekin joining the coaches and undoing just too many buttons on his shirt. Uncalled for for a man of his age. And to be fair, I think of the panel, he had done the same on Saturday morning. So they're all doing two to three buttons on the, on the, like, I think they all, they've seen an episode of Ray Donovan and they think it's going to work yeah. for them. And let me tell you, it ain't. It's not. It's, it's a plague that's blighted this World Cup. And to be honest, the television as a whole... It's blighted is, too is... many bars when you're out, to be honest. Well, I The mean, blazer too, and yeah. two buttons just... undone has just gone too far. Yeah, I love it. I'll say it now, lads. You never need more than one. No. It's I acceptable. Don't see any reason why you need the only two. time it's acceptable, I would argue, is a linen shirt and you're on holiday and it's fucking boiling. So you're in shorts <laughs> and like flip-flops. Yeah. If... If you're wandering down a, be- a, a white sandy beach in yeah. a pair of shorts and a linen shirt, then you can do that second button. But again, no more. <laughs> I don't want to. I don't want to see anything below that. Nobody wants to see your fucking pasty blancmange with hair sticking out of it. Basically, let's be honest. So, <laughs> give it a rest. Um, I can confirm actually that uh, Tom Ramos did indeed play the full eighty for Toulouse, <laughs> having been sent home injured with. Uh, uh, Apparently, a, a tournament-ending ankle injury. I mean, some <laughs> world rugby's got to get involved. They should not be allowed to call somebody else up. Is this the? Is, he's got the um, his ankle is the equivalent of Rabbi Slamani's whatever part of Rabbi Slamani's <laughs> body allows him to come on and off the field all the time. I mean, what else we got? This shit, stunning, here? isn't it? That's French rugby, isn't it? Um, shit for me is the whole. Unedifying legal shenanigans that happens in the week. Like Scotland fans are rightly saying, if it had happened to anybody else, everybody else probably would have got the lawyers involved as well. And there's probably some truth in that, but there is no avoiding the fact that it was you that well, done it. Let's be honest, though, right? I'll come back to this because we've had a couple of shits from from the public on this one. Michael Blanche got in touch and he said, shit is the addictive nature of trawling through all the anti-Scottish tweets and forming a persecution complex and ranking countries on the basis of their wankery towards us. That's quite funny. <laughs> and on this note, right, we've had lots of pe- loads of people got in touch saying about Scottish fans copping a load of shithousen fraud. Um, and long time... Oh, yeah, I just invented that. I like that one. Thank you. That's yeah. really good. And and long-time friend of the pod, Graham Golvin, messaged, and it was quite a long one because he wanted so... And he says, got one for your shit good ratings. He said, shit is a ludicrous backlash against the Scottish team players and fans that have endured over the past two days about talk, about simply because we talked about taking all the steps necessary to ensure the game against Japan went ahead. It isn't a secret that myself and a number of Scottish rugby fans have felt like outcasts for one reason or another for the last decade, not getting to the chance to tour the Southern Hemisphere Giants at all, on summer tours, and also the perceived underrepresentation with the Lions. Now, whether we like that or not, I can see where he's coming from. Whether you agree with that or not, I can see where he's coming from. However, the shenanigans with the Japan versus Scotland game has severely and unfairly damaged Scotland's reputation with vast chunks 
of the rugby watching community, as exemplified <laughs> by some of the dire and vitriolic bile that's been spewed all over the social media. Being beat by Japan was always a distinct possibility, and some of the post-match comments of you deserve that and you're an embarrassment to the sport have been very hard to swallow. All I wanted was the chance to see my team play that Japan side, but me and a number of other Scottish fans have been made to feel like utter cunts because of it. Rugby and its fans like things has a cut above, however, they've not really behaved that way at the moment. And he said, but on a positive note, I genuinely feel that it was an overwhelmingly brilliant game. I'm happy that Scotland played the part in it and I'm far happier going out like this this time around than we did against Australia last time around. I think the difficult... Well, I will say, Graham, right? I will say I will say this, that as, as an English person, I am very, very used for, for a gigantic pylon of glee that comes onto Twitter whenever something goes quite badly for us. And this bastard over here did it within one second of Japan Hello. actually winning, actually winning that hey, game. I, t- I told you that. I told you. You did. So I found it absolutely yeah. hilarious. The funny thing was is that I responded with "get <laughs> fucked," and loads of people thought I was being, I was genuinely a bit f- upset. I wasn't. It was fucking hilarious. But um, I think there's uh, element of we kind of England suffer it because you know everyone's punching up, and I understand that. So there is a, there is yeah. a bit of that. What I do feel bad about is. What what every rugby fan has in common, right, is that their union are twats. Yeah, By and large, 100%. rugby unions are twats. All unions are twats. So basically, yeah. they do twattish things. Scotland not only Scotland rugby union not only did a twattish thing this week, they did an ill-advised twattish thing. Well, and it's, I feel bad that it's been piled, thing. it's been thrown right back at the players on the field and the fans on Twitter. Yeah, that's the thing is they absolutely don't deserve. What deserves the ire is the SRU for, once again, just having quite... There was something... They were they put out some job adverts on Sunday for... For <laughs> their brand manager, for, wasn't it? Awesome. For a brand manager. And it's like, I mean, that was rightly seized upon as hilarious because fair enough, like, everyone would have like considered legal action in those situations every single union would have you know if it's the difference between a game getting postponed and you go out of the world cup given everything that's riding on a world cup financially and all of that shit Mm. everyone would have been taking legal advice everyone would have been rattling the saber the problem is that mark dodson just came out and fucking said it and said that you know they were they were getting QCs from very, they were getting opinions from various QCs and they were sort of, you know, you know that I know doctors, was... dentists and architects and so they're not going to stand for this. <laughs> exactly. But it was that sort of, the way that they came out and did it was extremely inedifying for the SRU. <laughs> Absolutely nothing to do with Scotland's players, coaches or fans, but for the SRU, it made them look like dickheads. And it also made them look like dickheads that were trying to throw their weight around in a sort of boorish man in a pub threatening that if you don't give him the order that he wants, he will, you know, sue you. Cammy Black from the Scottish Rugby Blog podcast, who's, he, he cops some pelters on Twitter, actually, but actually has nothing but reasonable things to say most of the time, I find. Um, most of the time, yeah. And he, and he made the point, the SRU behave like they did when they restructured their own domestic game. <laughs> not realising that they were dealing with the foot. They got up to fucking middle school now and the big lads were going to kick their head in and they weren't going to get away with it. Do you know what I mean? So when, when they, got, they got a bit yeah. of stuff from like amateurs running clubs in the borders about restructure, they threatened legal action and stuff and everyone, oh shit, okay. You're not dealing with that here, lads. 
yeah, and this is the thing. It's like when you try to behave like that at this level, it's not going to go well for you. When you try to then sort of strengthen your bargaining position by going public with it, that is an extremely high-risk strategy. And, you know, the SIU might well turn around and say, well, it worked, the game got played. They might have called it off if we hadn't put all this well, pressure on. Well, we'll never on. know now, will and we, I suppose? We'll never know. But I do know that a lot of barristers on Twitter or rugby fans came out just saying, this is the worst legal strategy you've ever fucking thought of in your entire life. <laughs> <laughs> so even if, you, you know, legal approach, there are no grounds to do any of it effectively. Yeah. But... <laughs> that th- you know that thing you signed at the start of the tournament? Oh. You can't do that. that. Why not? The law. Okay. <laughs> which law? Okay. Which sections are you referring to of which law? <laughs> Uh, yeah, it was just the whole thing was very unedifying for the SIU, and it was yeah. it's very un- it's equally shit that Scottish fans and players got sort of. I didn't enjoy seeing people going, "Ha ha ha, Scotland are losing." No, I mean, it's not even of, that. I mean, unless just, you want to just, just generally yeah. wind up the other fan because you like wind up other fans, that's yeah, part yeah, of the game. Yeah. I don't mind. Absolutely. That, I mean, on I, the basis I would never of that, they that, deserved it for, but, you know, for not being happy about having a game called off. Seems a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, I'd never wind up another <laughs> team's fans just for absolute shits and giggles. You know, I'd never do it. So, yes, just in case you wondered, ladies and gentlemen, in case you missed what we were talking about before, within one minute of that final whistle going, Josh has had to make a joke about England still being the only team to go out of their own World Cup at the pool stage. I, Hence, I told I, him to get I fucked. Said it. <laughs> yeah, and rightly so. I mean, it's <laughs> it's... It's funny the tweets. It's, it's funny the tweets that catch on. It's like yeah, I've didn't done you end up back, didn't you end up getting a load of like serious fucking shit after that? Oh yeah, people. But I like had people who didn't follow me getting incredible. Oh no, with me, which is funny. <laughs> which it just made it funnier. Which I mean is not what. It's not the best way to kind of diffuse a situation when you're finding people getting really really angry about something absolutely hilarious. So, I'd recommend it though. If you just want a, a fun afternoon on Twitter, say something that really winds some folk up, and then just 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 let it out into the world. And I feel like I feel like I did it as, as much as anything else. I did it for Scotland fans <laughs> because selfless. <laughs> roughly fifty percent. Always, always a selfless yeah, act. Roughly fifty percent of the replies I got to that tweet were Scotland fans saying thank you for. <laughs> <laughs> making me feel better in our time of absolute misery. So you are absolutely welcome, Scotland fans. But else we got the shit. Patricia says that shit is no more rugby in the week. Honestly, it's fucking rubbish, isn't it? Like the fact that we're not got any rugby until Saturday now. I would feel a bit fresher come the afternoon travesty. in work though, because I've not been up since half past four. So that, that's, <laughs> that's something to me to look forward to. I get a lot more done full stop because I won't be sort of stopping work between you know, 11 o'clock and 1pm every day to watch rugby. So, you know. Um, Any more good shit? Sorry for you. I've got... Oh, Hallam Amos. We haven't spoken about Hallam Amos yet. Fuck me sideways. How to not get yourself into the quarterfinal team in three very, very badly overrun tries. Quite a number of people mentioned Hallam Amos on the, on the Twitter, yes. Rightly so. I think Alex Rhys Jones said Alan Alan Rhys Jones says Hallam Amos is TMO hat trick. I mean quite a lot quite a few people I saw were also saying and how on earth has Hallam Amos been in this World Cup squad ahead of Owen Lane, who would have scored all three of those tries? And while it's not that straightforward, 
they are absolutely right that Owen Lane would have scored all three of those tries. So, True. yeah. What else have we got that's shit here? Oh, let's move on to good. Time's time's ticking, by. Yeah. Thank you very much, everybody. Happy. We had loads this week, by the way, but and I was yeah, a little shit. bit late in pulling it all together before the pod, so I probably missed more than I should have done, so apologies for that. No, a couple more shits here. Ian Alexander says, shit is Jamie Ritchie crossing the line between shit or and being a cunt into a cunt trick. <laughs> was having a great game until it started to get away from them. Yeah, he's been spotted basically driving his forearm into somebody's neck, hasn't he? He was floor. doing some quite nasty things. He was the on the edge of the galaxy in the breakdown but... right from the off, and I got a lot of time. Oh, my God. That. He was absolutely on and over the edge for most of the game, so it should come as absolutely no surprise that as the game ebbed away from them, he <laughs> sort of lost it. Yeah. But still not nice. Robert Gwynn Williams said his shit is checkers petulance and making me want to England to win. Woof. I'm, judging by your name, Robert, I'm assuming you're a Welsh person. That's quite a big move. Who do you actually want to win Saturday morning? Josh? Uh, I. It's going to sound churlish if I say that I want the stadium to just collapse now, isn't it? <laughs> so, um, I mean, I just like both teams to just have a terrible, terrible time. I want rugby to be the uh, loser be... today. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> I want it to be a hateful game that lives in infamy, um, and neither teams are really and going. So exhausted when they come out of it. Possible. They, they yeah, out. yeah, yeah. Well, there you go. As, as generous of spirit as ever, and nothing more than I would expect. <laughs> Zoology Dave gets in touch. He said, "Shit is yeah." Here we go. Hallam Amos for many things, however, including making Saint Hadley Parks take the blame for forward passes because he doesn't know how to keep his depth. He was Honestly, overrunning like quite were, a bit. <laughs> people who were saying that it was Hadley Parks doing bad passes or Reese Patchell doing bad passes, he was two foot in front of them when the ball was thrown, for God's sake. It was dreadful. I was. It was nearly a couch-breaking situation. Peter Horn's first Just pass sheer was, was a magnificent fucking quarterback oh effort when he came on. <laughs> Miss pass! <laughs> I didn't want to say anything because, you know, on Twitter you can very easily be made to look silly when somebody does something incredibly good then two seconds after. But <laughs> yes. That was just like peak Yeah, what I've come to expect from Peter Horn. Uh, a beautifully executed sort of overlap position, hideously un- undone with... <laughs> Probably one of the worst forward passes of the tournament. That is very, very forward. (laughs) And it will be coming back. Yeah. Uh, What have we got that's good here? Ben Morris gets to it. He says, good. And this is is brilliant, by the way. Ben Morris says, good. The Japanese manager of the Irish pub in Paris, bracket culture, close bracket, where I watch the game bursting into tears at full time and screaming, I've been waiting for this for 25 fucking years and pouring champagne <laughs> on everyone he was watching at the bar. Oh, my God, that's astonishingly good. That's amazingly good, Ben. That's... Why were we not all at that pub? <laughs> Amazing. Right, next pod social, we're all going to Paris yeah. to the Japanese-run <laughs> Irish bar. <laughs> oh, a mate of mine was in... Um was in a fan park watching Ireland's uh, Japan a couple of weeks ago, and there were two Scottish lads sat next to this really elderly uh, Japanese man just watching in the park. And when Japan... Actually, it was with Japan Samoa. So when Japan, And then when Japan got the bonus point try at the end, he just turned the old... He just sort of been there quite quietly and just hadn't really said anything all game. And then when Japan went over for the bonus point try at the end, he turned to the two Scottish blokes and went... Sayonara, Scotland, and then just walk off. 
<laughs> which is the that most is a, unbelievable flow. That is, that is yeah. the most polite shit housing I've ever heard. That is it's fantastic. Incredible. It's, it made my day. That friend of the pod, Hugh, was out there at the moment. Just told, I was I, just glorious. Glorious in his understatement. I want more understated shit housing like that in my life. Hugo Gordon gets in touch. He says, Good is the fact that after next week, we won't have to deal with one of either Michael Check or Eddie Jones anymore. Yeah, this weekend is basically the shit. It's a very problem. good point. And yeah, one of these lads is getting sacked this week. <laughs> <laughs> let's, let's not beat around the bush. This is going to happen. So, yeah. I mean, every, excited, everybody you know wants what? to I've, see I've Checkers done... post-match interview, don't they, if they lose to England? Surely you want to see that more than you want to see they England are lose. Going, they are going to lose to England, though. That's the problem. That's the... He's he's very good at, at these post match in, in, you know losing to England interviews now because Eddie's just battered him like a nobody's business ever since he took charge. The average score for an um, England against Australia since Eddie took over is England sco- scoring on average thirty points. It's like he has absolutely got Checker's number, and I just think we're just going to get the same old classic Checker petulance. Whereas I feel like if England lose. We could get something really extraordinary from Eddie Jones. <laughs> it's like... a good point. I still don't. Yeah, I'm, I'm not behind you, but it's a good point. Yeah. No, of course not. But yeah. Uh, well, that, Scottish fan. Thinking about that now has excited me. Scottish you know, fan in front of the podcast. One of Michael Checker or Eddie Jones is going to lose their job this week. Oh, there you go. Now that's he's smiling, brilliant. ladies and gentlemen. Look, he's pep right. Yeah, up I'm now. happy now. Oh. Graham great. Love gets in touch. He says, "Good is Japan." Lots of people <laughs> saying about Japan, but he says for so many reasons. Yeah amazing almost to the point of selfish when it comes to ball retention and showing that with the right coaches and conditioning the fastest brand of rugby trademark that Townsend aspires to can actually be effective yep said it all earlier but we agree agree. Nick Tailteller says is good David Flatman calling the Japanese props popped rib from obviously very painful personal experience that was a that's not the first time Coo, he's done that in this tournament as well. He's understated put, he's, commentary. He's actually a... adds something, says uh, Nick. Yeah, yeah and all, but equally, specifically saying, "Oh, that props popped a rib." <laughs> it's like it's like he's got a sixth sense for it now. He's like the anti-Shane Williams, isn't he? Yeah, in a lot of ways. <laughs> I keep I I keep getting the early games, which they keep giving in on the Guardian, oh, which they keep. keep... Well, they... They keep giving they those give to Daniel Shane for a very good reason. No, no, no. The really early games, oh, no. which they tend to give to Daniel oh, right. Waterman. Who's very yes. fucking good and He's has loads very, of analysis and roll loads of like light. She wear incredible knowledge, very lightly worn, you know. And then the, yeah. somehow the nine o'clock, like the eight thirty kickoff, always gets Shane, and he's fucking terrible. Bless him. It's the worst way to start your day. Is a Shane Williams co-commentary. It's it's it's, it's the equivalent of having a very heavy fry up every morning. <laughs> in the ostensibly the ingredients are appealing, but in reality, it just makes you feel like shit for the rest he, of the day. He, he wouldn't have wanted that to happen there. <laughs> a moment where he literally just repeated what his co-commentator had said last week. <laughs> verbatim. It's like, yeah. what the fuck, man? And you see that he's, he, he oh, walked he... and he's, he's looked to the left, he's he tried to pass the ball, he's, and the ball hasn't gone. So he's ended up going forward a bit more, and then he's not scored. It's like, yeah. I can fucking do see what's on the screen as well, Shane. Well done. <laughs> I've just got to wonder, like, at what point are people going to sort of go, Shane? I don't think this is this is you. It just, he seems to get more and more work. He gets loads of corporates in between and everything. Well. Yeah, it's like he's not like 
he Shane Williams is as near to God as anything I believe in. In a pair in of shorts of, with a ball in his hand. In yeah. a pair of shorts, indeed. But fuck me, he's boring off the field. <laughs> as exciting and exhilarating as he was on it, he is unbelievably dull off it. And it's weird that he turned it into a media career. He's, the po- he's like Michael Owen. Yeah, his personality is the polar opposite of his suit and haircut combo on his wedding day, basically. <laughs> it's exactly that, yeah. Anyway, moving on. Uh, Callum Robertson says, good as the organisers somehow getting that game on. Yeah. Well done, yeah. Simon Brooker says, good. Japan for keeping true to their playing philosophy. And when is Jamie Joseph available for the Wales coaching job? Yeah. Any job I mean, in wants, about really? a year, I reckon. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, when it doesn't go to when when Pivak has what's known as the David Moyes problem. Yeah, when when Pivak picks all scarlets in his team, including <laughs> the ones that are patently not set cut out for international rugby, um, including Cassie M. Somehow, yeah. <laughs> can you imagine? Fucking hell. Yeah, he's still still picking. I feel Aaron that Cassie M. offers a little bit more than Falatau does, so therefore. Uh... <laughs> Yeah, I really feel like Aaron Shingler is definitely deserves a place in the second row, despite being thirty three and definitely not a lock. Um, yeah, is I think Jamie Joseph could, could, could. I reckon he should go to the All Blacks. Fuck it. Imagine quite, how good that would be. It's going to be quite an interview panel for that All Blacks job, isn't it? Come next. Oh, wasn't it though? Wasn't it though? Uh, um, things that I've loved in this this weekend. Um, firstly. Actual hashtag rugby values, yes, i.e. Yes, yes. Canada going out and fucking helping with the relief efforts. Small man Peaky agreed fuck, with you. He said, worthy of a genuine hashtag respect, Claxon, yes. Yeah, well, it's like, that's, that's what, like, let's save our hashtag rugby values for that instead of hashtag rugby values, player helps other player up off the floor. Fuck. Yeah. Hashtag well, rugby values, they didn't punch each other at the coin toss. This is effectively what I've got. Yeah. I had a hashtag rugby values of um, fucking David Pocock shook the mascot's hand. It's like, what? Was he, we expected him to fucking jackal him or something. Yeah, because everyone knows if that had been the game of association football, he'd have just pissed on the mascot. Yeah, you know, that's because yeah, that's what they do because right, they've got him. no hashtag values. Yeah, shanked him right in the face. You know, it's... <laughs> So ridiculous. But then things like this happen and you diminish it yes. by saying fucking rugby values about every old bollocks. Yeah. Well done, Canada, because you must have Canadian been well ragged off. Absolutely. And the last thing you want to do is a bit yeah. of manual labour, I guess. So well done for getting out there and getting it done. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. Uh, what have we got here? Jim the Hoop gets it. No. People's Elbow gets in touch. It says, good as Japan's tackle height. They go low and they stop runners dead. Shows it'll, it doesn't have to ruin the game if you don't take people's heads off. Absolutely. Jim the Hoop gets in touch. He said, good is Kenki Fukuoka being lethal on Japan's wing. Shit is Fukuoka retiring from rugby to pursue a career in medicine. How selfish, yes. I know, honestly. That fucking him. Really knows a good change. player there, number eight as well, isn't he? I know. Ooh, an 80-minute man as well. Got to like that. <laughs> it's, that's the problem with him. You go through that team and you go, he's good, he's good, he's good. But the only players are theirs that don't really stand out are their locks, I'd say. That yeah. are just kind and they're not bad. They're perfectly, not, yeah. ser- they're perfectly serviceable, but yeah. they don't make you go, ooh. Speaking of good Japanese, uh, Joe Tari says, good as Nakajima, the prop who came off the bench. Oh, Looking like a cross between Wesley Snipes in Demolition Man and a character from Street Fighter. 
having yeah. oh, yes, having one of the all-time great sub performances, carrying, tackling, offloading, and trucking it up like a man possessed. I because I was right when he came it, on, I, I was delighted. He came on. The first thing he did was that inside pop. He then yeah. in that to use an NFL parlance that drive. He carried the ball five times in that first drive, <laughs> as well as clearing out. It was yeah. unbelievable. And then, did an, and then did another, then did the exact same inside pop in the next move. <laughs> and it's like you're just showing off here, mate. But it was glorious. I loved it. I, I thought when he came on, I thought, no way can this man live up to his haircuts. <laughs> you know, no way can he be as good as a bleach blonde goatee, and he was. Yeah. Emphatically. And better than, if anything. He gave away a penalty in the scrum late on, and we found the one thing he can't do, at least for that one <laughs> second. Yeah. Nakajima. I mean, yeah, I'd have him. The, the only other Nakajima I remember was Sonny Nakajima, who was a Formula One driver in the 90s, and he was properly like in the, <laughs> in the third division of Formula One. You know, I thought you had like the top guys, like Senna. He was down there with. Alan Menu and Emanuele Pirro, all them really shit ones in the 90s. He was down there <laughs> basically getting out of his car after 12 laps every single race and never getting another drive. Yes. And yet, I mean, basically, he's reclaimed the Nakajima name Good for, for him. great sporting greatness. He has. Yeah. So if nothing else, he's erased Sonny Nakajima from the very tiny part of my memory in habits. <laughs> uh, right, then, well, we've got this. We've done some of my picky... Koji Dubness, I don't know if I pronounced that right. That's what your Twitter handle is. He said, good, is the IRFU's attempt to be blocked by the winner of 364,000 oh, awards, Stephen oh, Jones. Oh, see. It's glorious stuff, this. So Stephen Jones comes out in his column and says that um, the IRFU have threatened their own kind of legal action if the Scotland Island game is moved, uh, the Scotland Japan game is moved because it breaches tournament rules, etc. Which, you know, it's not the most heinous accusation ever, to be honest. They'd be fed well within their rights to. But then the next day, the IRFU release a statement calling him out by name, refuting the allegations and saying that they're absolutely baseless, which is just... Didn't take the tomorrow's <sighs> chip papers approach with that one, did they? So No, that's the thing. The fact that they didn't really says a lot about how up their nose Stephen Jones got with that claim. So, I mean, I'm all for it. I want more people. I want people calling out Neil Francis. I want unions calling out Neil Francis in official things. So, yeah, hopefully. Has he blocked the IRFU now? He must. Have I assume he has. Yeah, he's basically blocked the entire island of Ireland now. <laughs> you know, it's, he's basically wiped it off his map. It he's, doesn't exist. He solved the hard border problem by basically <laughs> blocking the entire island. Yeah. Um, Ian McGill gets his touch. He says, "Good is the moment in the seventy-third minute when I got to hear King Horn out to Pete Horn and back to George Horn." On days <laughs> like that, <laughs> it's the small things that bring you joy. He says. <laughs> Uh, very good uh, yeah you've got to get, you've got to take your giggles you've where you got can to go. take your wins where you can find them because you won't find them on the park will you uh, Sean Troy finally says good is Tyke fucking Furlong beating four defenders to score a try is there anybody better in a crowd from five metres than Tyke Furlong I don't think there is I mean in his prime Gethin Jenkins yes but I mean, certainly now, in the look, modern game can we no. please just have five minutes where you do not mention <laughs> 
your boyfriend no. and lover, Gethin Jenkins. No, no, <laughs> ever. Oh, Lord and Saviour, Gethin Jenkins. Um, yeah, no, uh, certainly in the modern game, he is just... He shouldn't work. He's a fridge that could move like a ballet dancer. It's yeah. He doesn't make sense. While looking like a 1920s mob enforcer. <laughs> he really does have that look about him, doesn't he? Does he does have that, yeah, that Broadwalk Empire, in every sense Broadwalk Empire yeah. muscle, yeah. Just squeezed into a suit. Well, that was a long one. And I think we should draw <laughs> it to can. an end. Look, we've had, we had to talk about a whole, you know... Formula One sort of change of music. You know, we had to we had to talk about the redrawing of the rugby landscape. You know these things are going to take time. Tell you what, yeah, it's not often yeah. you see you know the end an epoch defining performance. Let's let's go with <laughs> thermonuclear <laughs> takes on it, shall we? Yeah, <laughs> it's amazing yeah. how within t- it says a lot about the world rhythm that seven minutes after the game ended, everyone was trying to decide how Japan get him into the rugby championship, get crowbarred into some major championship. <laughs> Everyone's like super high, like emotional e numbers and decides that now is the time to start making decisions <laughs> yeah let's not let's not worry about that with you know any kind of sort of calm yeah. composed measured distance let's just do things in the heat let's, of the absolute glorious let's moment take the noel gallagher off his face on coke adding another <laughs> guitar track to be here now the album approach <laughs> yes, yeah this is a fucking brilliant yeah. idea yeah pass me that guitar <laughs> Yeah, I mean, that is basically why rugby needs administrators <laughs> and not fans on Twitter to do things as much as we criticise them, because Jesus Christ, we'd make a fucking mess. We would, wouldn't we? What a mess we'd all make. And on that note, I'll leave you to make your own mess, Absolutely. ladies and gentlemen. Take care. We'll speak to you for a preview later this week, probably. Ta-da now. Bye. As more sectors across Ireland are reopening, the COVID-19 pandemic unemployment payment is changing. If you're currently receiving this payment, the amount you receive will change from the 16th of November. To find out more about how these changes will affect you, visit gov.ie forward slash PUP changes. A Government of Ireland initiative brought to you by the Department of Social Protection. Sports Social Podcast Network. I'm Victoria Cash. Thanks for calling the Lucky Land Hotline. If you feel like you do the same thing every day, press 1. If you're ready to have some serious fun for the chance to redeem some serious prizes, press 2. We heard you loud and clear. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com right now and play over 100 social casino-style games for free. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.